the crowd was going crazy. There's not much in life that's better than that. You guys always showed me love. My family and I appreciate it so much. Uh, you guys are the best. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. I don't have one negative thing to say about Gabe Kapler, not just as a person, but from a professional standpoint. During his time with us, for me, he's one of the, you know, I find he's thoughtful, he's creative, he's incredibly hardworking, he's loyal, he's diligent. He's really passionate about this game. He was passionate about the job that he had and did, and we obviously reached some really high highs during his his tenure here. And that's, I think, in a way what makes it so difficult for us to, to be here and have to turn the page on, on his tenure. And I've said this a couple times publicly, and to reiterate it, the thing that has been on my mind and on the mind of other people in this organization is, you know, as a group, as a team, we played our worst baseball when it mattered the most. I know you guys have been working on figuring out why that happened, and, and there's a lot of questions for fans on, on why that happened. We have a lot of work to figure out why that happened. Farhan says goodbye, and I say hello there. Welcome back to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Episode 77 coming at you here. Sam Lubman here, as always, with Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky. We are recording this on Monday, October 2nd, just a few days after the Giants dismissed manager Gabe Kapler. First, though, this is episode 77. Shasky, did you know that on July 7th of this year, the Giants had a 77% chance of making the postseason? That was the day they had that doubleheader in Cincinnati where Camilo Duvall got two saves in one day. They won the first game four to two in 10 innings. And then they won the nightcap 11 to 10 in one of that those wild games there. They improved to 54 and 41 on the season. It would not get much better after that. They would then lose their next six games all on the road. They won about six games the rest of the year on the road after that road trip. And uh, it was last Tuesday when we saw those playoff hopes officially drop to zero. And then a few days later, you saw Gabe Kapler, of course, fired. And uh, for the sixth time in the last seven years and for the 20th time in the wildcard era, the Giants will be watching October baseball from home. If that's too depressing for for you, uh, 77, that's also Luke Jackson's number, the first player in Giants history to wear that number. Or if you want to get into a Warriors mode, that's uh, where Clay Thompson ranks on the all-time NBA list. So with all that said, Shasky, the Giants now need a new manager. Start things off. Where were you when you found out that Gabe Kapler got fired? I was on the golf course up at Lake Tahoe, and I was just about to tee off. And I'm with a bunch of my buddies from the O Club softball team who are all diehard Giants fans for the most part. And it was kind of shock. Um, mm-hmm. Some people celebrating, not going to lie. Uh, but most people were like, wait a minute. Does this mean Farhan gets to hire someone else? Right? Like, <laughs> like I, I, it went know, so we, well the last time. <laughs> right? And of course, my brain started going, wow. I, I honestly couldn't believe that they wouldn't let him finish the season out. Something more must have been there. Either Gabe said, hey, if you know you're going to fire me, get rid of me now. Or it was so bad that they had to get rid of him. Like, it couldn't go a couple more days. I I don't know. The whole thing, I'm being serious. I am shocked he got fired. Because in my estimation, it was either him and Farhan are both coming back, or they're both gone. Now, maybe they dropped the other shoe and and Farhan's out of here. But I was shocked. Where were you? So I had actually just woken up from my nap 
because oh. uh, I try to get a little quick nap in before heading to the ballpark for what I thought was just going to be another ho-hum Giants-Dodgers series. And uh, so I woke up and I have all the notifications on my phone. It's like, oh, what happened? Gabe Kapler got fired. Oh, okay. Guess that's, you kind of figured it might be happening. I was also kind of surprised that it happened uh, before that last weekend series. Uh, so, you know, I get in the, so I'm jumping in the shower, getting ready to go to the game. And I'm thinking, hmm. I wonder what that means for the pregame uh, process. Cause obviously, you know, Gabe Kapler, he meets with the media, uh, you know, several hours before each game. And so it's like, I wonder how they're going to do that this time. So I go, I get out of the shower, I check the press release. This was at about three o'clock. It says Farhan Zaidi will be available in the dugout at three 30. And uh, that was the fastest. I think I ever got door to door from my apartment here in Oakland to the giants dugout had to break a few speeding rules in the process. Uh, but that's how I found out. And then I had to get down there and, and yeah, listen to uh, Farhan's presser, which you heard the beginning of right there. I'll be honest, Shasky. Yeah. I, I don't think I was shocked per se. I mean, I kind of felt like the writing was on the wall. We heard a uh, Farhan. He went on one of the other radio stations here in, in the Bay area on two on a Thursday. And I was listening to that interview and he was asked, you know, what's the deal with Gabe Kapler? And he hit, he responded with the old, we need to reevaluate the entire organization answer. And when I heard that answer, it's like, oh, he is G-O-N-E gone. And uh, I think when you when you say, you know, why couldn't he finish out the season? Uh, Susan Slusser, who does an excellent job covering the Giants for the San Francisco Chronicle, she put out a tweet that I kind of agree with. You know, the, the, the notion, the idea was, you know, they're going to let Gabe Kapler go now to avoid having to have him face, you know, all the questions about his job security that he would probably have gotten this last weekend. I mean, once that interview went out on Thursday, it felt like the writing wasn't so much on the wall, but, you know, plastered across the sky. And so it was no way if, if Gabe Kapler was going to answer questions before Friday's game, every question was going to be some form of, are you going to be back next year? Do you think you should be back next year? Are you going to get fired? And rather than make him face that <clears throat> firing squad, so to speak, it probably just makes more sense just to like cut bait now and not have him manage that that final series because uh, it's just like why, why bother at that point? Uh, very curious choice. You, to, uh, I want to stop you right here. Yeah, and I'm not taking umbrage. I'm asking sincerely. Mm -hmm. You really think Gabe Kapler let down the Giants organization? You think Gabe Kapler was the reason the Giants didn't make the playoffs in three out of the last four years? No, it's it's kind of hard to peg this on Gabe. Really, it this does feel like a scapegoating and. We did. Uh, there was, you know, we the, the the group of us. We did go into the clubhouse after we talked with Farhan, and the first player we talked with uh, as a group was Logan Webb, and obviously he's been kind of vocal about wanting to see changes made. And we asked him, you know, you said you wanted to see changes made. You know, this is a big change, and he was saying like, yeah, you know, I I want to see change, but not like this. So I think and you could see. I I think Logan was kind of surprised that Kapler's fired. There was kind of an a feeling of shock in that clubhouse. I don't think that the players were really anticipating Gabe Kapler being fired, at least not that day. Uh, and the line that I heard a lot was, you know, they, the players, we, and Logan was speaking on behalf of the players, we let him down. That was the line that he said. Um, and I think it really goes to show I me, mean, we, we know that Kapler, you know, there wasn't really a whole thing about him losing the clubhouse. Obviously he can't lose a clubhouse. He never had blah, blah, blah. But the whole the report that he did have a good relationship with players, I do think there was some truth to that. And I felt like you really could kind of see it in how some of these players were reacting. But no, to, to answer your question there, Shasky, no, to, to say that Gabe Kapler was the reason why the Giants 
were not in the playoffs this year to say that Gabe Kapler was the reason why they went from a 70% chance of making the playoffs back on July 7th to watching the playoffs from home here on October 2nd. No, that, that does not feel like it was accurate. And it feels like, yeah, Gabe Kapler was absolutely scapegoated for what was really a, a group effort in this disappointing season. L- l- let me read you the 15 highest paid players on the 2023 Giants in a row, in a row. Jock Peterson, highest paid player, 19 million, almost 20. Conforto, Crawford, Alex Wood, Manaya, Stripling, Taylor Rogers, Wilmer Flores, making six and a half million, Mike Yastrzemski, Logan Webb, Austin Slater, Luke Jackson, John Brebbia, Tyro Estrada, Tyler Rogers. Name me a guy in the history of Major League Baseball. John McGraw, Joe Torrey, who I think sucked outside of his Yankee tenure, mm-hmm. uh, Dave Roberts, Bruce Bochy in his prime, Roger Craig, Dusty Baker, Bobby Cox. Pick whoever you want. Name me a guy in the history of the game who's winning 85 games with those top 15 players. No, it's Gabe was kind of sent out there basically with – he was not given the correct tools to succeed with this roster. And we'll we'll get to why that was in a second. But yeah, I think that's absolutely fair to say. When you have a roster that is this just blah, you almost kind of look at the job that Gabe Kapler did. And it's like, dude, you kind of well, did me, pretty good. Let me get into that. Okay, yeah. so I listed off the 15 guys who are the highest paid players on the team. If I told you at the beginning of the year, J.D. Davis will have a career year. Lamont Wade Jr. will have a career year. Now, these are guys that I don't think that highly of heading into the year, but they had career years. Tyro Estrada, career year. Camilo Duvall, career year. Logan Webb, though he didn't have a career year, he pitched so much better than what the numbers are. Young votes this year. Okay. Alex uh, Cobb, Cobb. damn near a career year. All right. Now, Patrick Bailey, to this point, career year. He's only played one year. Best year of his career. That is true. Who let who down? The guy creating the roster and filling the cupboard or the guy making the most out of the least? You gave the guy tuna helper and he basically put out a London broil steak, but you expected filet mignon. I blame the grocery shopper who got me tuna helper and was demanding me to turn water into wine like Gabe Kapler was Jesus. And here's the other thing. Do I think that Gabe Kapler is the greatest manager on the planet? No, I do not. Mm -mm. Okay. I disagree with his baseball principles and philosophies. But guess what? His baseball principles and philosophies come directly from Farhan, and they're in unison. So if you reject Gabe's baseball principles and philosophies, you're rejecting Farhan, correct? No, I don't think you're that off base at all. And I I absolutely agree with that because, yeah, Gabe Kapler and Farhan Zaidi, we all know that they were very buddy-buddy. Farhan expended a lot of goodwill uh, very early in his tenure when he went out and hired Gabe Kapler. That was, you know, you talk about some of the all-time press conferences in Bay Area history. You got, you know, Al Davis firing Lane Kiffin. You got Jim Tom Sula sweating and stumbling his way through his introductory press conference. And then you got Gabe Kapler facing a veritable firing squad, the second time I've used firing squad, uh, on in his own introductory press conference for issues that happen not even with Philadelphia, but with his mishandling of a sexual assault case and loss and, and while he was with the Dodgers. So right off the bat, this was a hire that was very scrutinized and, and not super popular no. when it was happened. And Farhan kind of hitched his wagon to that. He They had to know the risk that was coming here. I'll say this, when it came to you know managing that risk or just kind of maybe like downplaying that risk or, or, or maybe just kind of assuaging that risk, 
I would say Gabe Kapler did a far better job of, you know, doing that than, than Farhan Zaidi did. For as nervous as we were about what Gabe Kapler would be like when he got here, overall, I would give him positive marks. I mean, yes, the Giants were not as good, I think, as we would have expected. But again, considering the the what he had to work with, he did do a very good job. The one pushback I will give there, Shasky, though, in terms of, you know, Gabe, he, he didn't have the right tools to succeed. When he was in Philadelphia, he had arguably a bit of a better roster then than he did here now with the Giants. And he was still a 500 manager. It could very well be that's just kind of what Gabe Kapler is. He's, he's, an, oh, he's a good average manager. Maybe not the kind of manager that can elevate a team above its performance 2021 nonwithstanding. That's probably the only knock I would give there. Uh, but as you said, he's not the greatest manager. I do think he he's a young manager. He's still building up as a manager. Will he be done managing? I don't know. Maybe he'll be a coach somewhere. Uh, I would bet on this not being the end of Gabe Kapler. Uh, but if you were to look back on it, uh, but isn't it isn't it ironic they moved off of a gut clubhouse guy in Bruce Bochy? And the reason they're firing Gabe Kapler is because of the gut and because of the, the clubhouse. Like, there's an irony there. And they kept mm-hmm. telling me from the front office, we're smarter than you. And and players don't matter. Chemistry doesn't matter. It's about analytics. And this guy is going to hit against that guy. And he's going to produce X, Y, and Z. And then come to find out you're firing a guy for the exact opposite of what you told me you're going to do. Like, hello? Yeah. Like, hello? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm no, it, it makes sense because honestly, it's like, here's the thing. This is one thing about, about fans, especially intelligent fans like Giants fans, is that the bullshit meter is is very sensitive. You, it's very hard to BS Giants fans. We have seen a lot of really good baseball. We have seen a lot of really smart baseball over the years, not just from the Bruce Bochy, Brian Sabian era. Go back to when Dusty was running this team. Go back to the Roger Craig era. Go back all the way into the 70s. We had Charlie Fox or even into the 60s. There are a lot of Giants fans that have been seasoned to see a lot of really good, smart baseball. You cannot pull one over our eyes. So when you're going to go and try and trot far have Gabe trot these lineups out make him follow these directions and then fire him for basically following your orders that did not go well Giants fans are not going to buy that and that is why yeah I mean did Gabe Kapler not do the job good enough no one's disputing that to say that he is the reason and we'll see kind of how what other changes happen in the in the coming days my guess is you're gonna see a lot of overhaul with the coaching staff um, so there's, there's some blame that's going to lie there. I do want to get into Farhan Zaidi a little bit because, yeah, a, a lot of this does absolutely fall onto his shoulders. Uh, looking back, though, just with Gabe Cap, or when you see the Giants firing a manager in the middle of the year, this is the first time this has been done since 1985. That was in the middle of a 100-loss season, the only 100-loss season in, the, in this franchise's history when the Giants fired Jim Davenport and replaced him with Roger Craig. This is a big deal see the Giants fire a manager in season. This is an organization that prides itself on stability. It's an organization that prides itself on being one of the pillar organizations in baseball. When's the last time you saw teams like the Dodgers or the Yankees firing managers in season? It does not happen very often for those kind of organizations because those organizations are run in such a way that they're able to avo- avoid such embarrassments. So but- when you saw that happen, Shasky, what does that really say about just the current state of the Giants right now? It told me that Farhan was throwing Gabe Kapler under the bus and not accepting culpability. That's what it told me. It told me he's a coward. Mm-hmm. Straight up. I think he's a coward. I think he should have walked into that dugout and said, this is all on me. I put together a bad roster. We dictated the openers. We dictated mm-hmm. subbing and platooning and all those things coming from above. And we were all in lockstep. 
and I fell short. Now, I can't fire myself, so I'm going to get another opportunity here, but we needed to get rid of somebody to show that we were serious, and it couldn't be me, and it had to be him. Now, I know you can't say that out loud. Believe me, I'm realistic, but let's be let's No, be but we all know what if was going on. If I were to tell there. you right now, pie chart of culpability, Gabe Kapler is a slice of the pie. It is not the majority of the pie. The majority oh, no. of the pie is the roster. It's the roster, okay? Mm-hmm. You are closer I don't care what the standing said. You're 20 games out of the Rockies and 20 games out of the Dodgers. You're closer to the Rockies than you are the Dodgers. Who are you kidding? We're one mm-hmm. of the pillar organizations in baseball. No, you are not. Who the what stable organization is giving Sean Manaya, Michael Conforto, Mitch Haniger, Ross Stripling 17 plus million dollars a year? Yeah. It's just <sighs> Not a good one, that's for sure. Before I do want to move I'm on. Sorry, to like, I'm, just, no, I'm, I'm sorry, like, I want to get into like this is where having an owner with a backbone and credibility. You think Joe Lacob is letting Farhan throw Gabe under the bus without taking away some of his power? You think the, I went to management? I said this is what we need to do. That's basically what Farhan said. You think you think okay, Joe Lacob is doing? You think Jed? Is letting that happen as bad as Jed has been. At least Jed had a backbone and realized, Trent Balky, get out of here. Get out of here. You do not you do not get a third chance to get a manager. You inherited Bruce Bochy. You ran him out of town. You brought in Gabe Kapler, shoved him down our throats when we rejected him from day one, and now you get a third chance to find another coach? Get out of here. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, as some might say, it's a shame. It's embarrassing. And that's basically where the Giants are at. Yeah, it is. It is a shameful day for the Giants to be in this situation. This is a very proud organization. And I'm sitting there. I, I'm sitting there at the ballpark on Friday. I was kind of stunned. I was very saddened that this team that I love that I've loved since I was seven years old. I know you have been them. reduced to this. And I'm not saying, you know, like it just i felt the most disconnected from the giants that i ever have as a fan now that's not this like i'm still gonna be a fan i'm still gonna show up to games all that stuff but for the first time in i think my life i'm looking at this team and just like i don't recognize it and it's just it's very very unfortunate what we're in and it's just it's a shame they had to go like this and before we get out i do just one last word on gabe kapler is that I'm a person, if you're a good person, I do want you to find success in this world. I do believe that Gabe Kapler was indeed a good human being. Okay, I know you're a lot there. Of people, this a lot is of important. Have- One second, Sam. This is important. You go to how many games? How many times have you been in that dugout, in that clubhouse? Quite a bit. I, I don't know the, the, the number off the top of my 70? head. 70? 65 yeah. times this year? Yeah, probably closer to 40. Okay, so you have a good feel. Continue with what you're saying. I, I, I want this to resonate. Yeah, no. So basically, my my old view on Gabe Kapler. I know a lot of people don't really want to buy his his facade or the persona he puts off. I'll say this: this was my first like full full year kind of doing the Giants consistently. I had the full credential this year. Last year, I was kind of date. You know, I had the single games, but I was more kind of entrenched in the in the day to day beat this year. Not as much the beat riders, but enough to where. I really appreciated the the manner in which Gabe Kapler d- talked with us every day. Uh, he was always very kind, very courteous. He always worked very hard to make sure that he was answering the questions as best as he could. And I always respected that about him. Uh, I, I never felt like he was ever looking down on me. And 
he just I always felt that he kind of respected the work we were doing and we respected him back. And I had a chance this morning. I shot him a quick text just being like, hey, you know, I'm sorry things didn't work out the way they did. Uh, thank you so much for, you know, showing the respect and, and for coming on the morning roast when he did. And he got back to me very quickly. He said, you know, Sam, that's very thoughtful. Um, thank you very much. He wants to stay in touch and he's on to the next thing. Um, also, a little bit of uh, sort of breaking news. Uh, he does plan to unveil his pick for best burger in San Francisco in the next few days. So make sure you're locked in on his Instagram for that one. But that's kind of the kind of guy Gabe is. Even in the low moments, he can still rise and do the respectable thing there. This cannot be a fun, easy time for him. And you know what? He's he's handling it with the professionalism at, with which he approached that job every day. Is he the best manager? Probably not. It, but I will absolutely respect Gabe Kapler as a human being. And to me, that's going to be my legacy of Gabe Kapler. Good guy, not a good enough coach. You know what mine's going to be? Hmm. A guy that desperately tried to be something that he wasn't, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I felt like Gabe was always slightly uncomfortable. And I feel like whatever happened in Philadelphia, he carried it over into San Francisco and he desperately wanted to be liked. And I just never felt like he was comfortable being himself. That's just my yeah. particular opinion, you know. And, and I don't. The this being like thing, the being like thing. You, 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 that's an interesting thing you say because I always remember that Rangers series. Uh, that Friday night, the Giants got bodied by the Rangers. Bruce Bochy is getting standing ovations, and in the post game, usually after a loss, you know, Gabe Gabe was very good at staying even keeled. And usually after losses, he still like I don't want to say he was upbeat, but he was very stoic, very measured. Like, yes, we lost, but we'll still bounce back the next day. You could see in his eyes something shifted. Something wasn't right about him. And it almost seemed like when he saw the love that Bruce Bochy was getting, it kind of hit home for him. Like, I am not going to get that. Whether he was kind of painted in an unfair light, I personally think he was kind of painted in an unfair light when he got well, here. It was the most um, difficult task ever to replace Bochy. Oh, absolutely. Hence, I never want to be the guy why- who replaces the guy. Yeah, but hence why they should have realized from day one, whoever that hire was, you better win the press conference to start with. I like, almost thought he never really had a shot, though, because well, it was like I remember when when Gabe Kaplan, when the interviews right. were happening, you're like, probably right. You talk about, you know, the ink wasn't dry on the contract. Shasky, the contract hadn't even been written up and you already had hit pieces coming out on him. I remember, you know, certain writers, I don't want to name names, but certain writers were already railing on just the notion of the Giants going after Gabe Kapler like. He really came in truly behind the eight ball. And I feel that the 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 attitude that was put out about Gabe Kapler before he even got here set him back in a way that he really never had a chance to recover. Fans already love Bruce Bochy a lot. It was you already had that Herculean task of having to replace Bruce Bochy. But when you're coming in and you already have the firing squad out for you, three times I've mentioned firing squad, you already have that going out after you, you already have these writers trying to bury you before you've even done your you know, opening statement. That is really hard to come back from under the best of circumstances, which Gabe Kapler certainly did not have. So I do think Kapler kind of got a bit of bad luck here uh, in terms of just kind of the, the hand that he was dealt. He had some really kind of crappy lemons. He made some passable lemonade with them. That's kind of going to be my legacy. And I, I truly do wish the best for him going forward. I hope he lands on his feet somewhere. I hope this isn't the last time that we see him managing. And one thing I'll say about Gabe Kapler, 
he does learn from his mistakes. I'll always remember uh, back in 2019, I went to the season ticket holder event where him and Farhan were going to speak to certain season ticket holders. And I went up to him and I, you know, side to side, I talked to him, you know, what happened on opening day with Aaron Nola? Like you, you screw that up. Like how did, I didn't say you screwed that up, but like what happened on that day? And he was very thorough in explaining where he screwed up, how he learned from it and how he builds on that. I came away from that conversation with him thinking, you know what? I'm going to give this guy a legitimate chance to either prove that he can do this job or I'm going to give him a legitimate chance to screw up and show why he shouldn't do that. I don't think he ever truly screwed up per se, but he just didn't do a good enough job. And, and that's just kind of where things are at. You are listening to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Lubman and Joe Shadsey coming at you as often as we can now that the Giants season is over. With the best Giants content out there, make sure you're liking, reviewing, rating, subscribing, sharing, telling other people about it. Give it two or three listens too, just to help goose our numbers up a little bit. All part of the Odyssey Sports Network here at 95.7 The Game. So the other side of this coin, Shasky, that we need to get into is uh, is the boss, Farhan Zaidi, the man who hired Gabe Kapler, the man who really is getting a lot of the anger uh, being directed kind of at this organization. He is the source about it. And yeah, he spoke to the media for about 30 minutes uh, on Friday, covered a wide range of topics. And really, as I'm sitting there, I'm listening to Farhan talk and my legs falling asleep because we're all cramped into this dugout here. The only thing I could really think is, why? Like, why is he coming back here? And this is something I'm re- I wrote about for the station. It'll be going up later today. Basically, the question I have and that I kind of w- was getting into was what can Farhan Zaidi possibly do in the span of a year, which is what he has left, to go from everybody saying fire Farhan right now to oh man, we got to give Farhan an extension. Like that's basically what he has to do. It's just, it almost seems like an impossible task. And I don't say impossible task because I don't have faith in Farhan. I say it's an impossible task because you could have Dave Dombrowski, Theo Epstein, and Brian Sabian working on this t- you know, team in tandem. And I'm not sure that they could really accomplish what is you know being expected out of Farhan this next year. And so it's just like, why? Why are we going through these motions? Well, what do you expect them to do? You expect them to fire him? I mean... I, I just, I don't understand. I think like they have no clue. I think they have no options. Like yeah. think about it. They used all their gumption getting rid of Sabian and Evans when they did. And hiring Farhan was so outside the box. So outside the box. What's he like? Honest to God, Patrick Bailey. What do you think? Maybe one all-star game. Maybe, maybe in his career. I'm a little bit more optimistic, but you know, okay. What, what do you uh, look? Give me the high end. Oh, okay. Four or five all-star games, I think, if he can Four have a very five. successful career. I believe well, how, many Buster, how many did Buster get? How many did Buster Posey Six. get? Six? Okay, I mean, if we're saying that Patrick Bailey's a little less good than Buster Posey on the high end. He'll never hey, be you are not sold hitter. on Patrick Bailey's well, future. No, I mean, he'll never be a 300 hitter. Look at his minor league career. Like, Buster was yeah. a 300 hitter and a gold glover. Like, I get where you're coming from out of hope, but, like, you also have to be realistic. It's hard to make the all-star game. So, my point mm-hmm. being... We're hot. We're just like, ah, Bailey, he looks great. And he does look good. <laughs> that isn't even an all-star. They have not acquired an all five years and you don't have an everyday all-star or at least someone who has the potential year in, year out to be an everyday all-star. That's insane. The yeah. guy does not deserve to have his job. I'm sorry. Right, he really does. But apparently he did talk about the support that he is getting from ownership. I want to talk about that Ooh. too, because Ooh. he's getting it from, from Greg Johnson. I want to well, hear from him too. To, you want to hear what had to, here's what Farhan had to say about that. 
Greg's sort of voice support publicly for me and the expectation that I'll be back next year. You know, I, I guess I would clarify that that support does not constitute an endorsement of what we've done the last two seasons or any degree of happiness or satisfaction with the results we've had. You know, I think Greg is pretty dissatisfied with us being around 500 and, and not being in the playoffs the last couple of years, as all of us are. So we've had a lot of conversations about how we get back to where we want to be and we need to be. You know, we want to have a product that our fans are excited about, a product that our fans, you know, come to the ballpark to see. And I recognize that. I think that's what ownership wants to see. And I know a lot of you all personally and, you know, a lot of good people in this group. And you haven't had a lot of positive things to write, frankly, over the last couple of seasons. And I think from the ownership standpoint, from my standpoint, it's our responsibility to change the narrative around this team. We want people to feel good about it and excited about the team. And, you know, we've had a lot of conversations about that. Yeah, but what are you doing about it? See, that's my biggest problem. Chuckle guy over there laughing at his own jokes on a day where he should be a little <laughs> more somber and humble. No, I'm dead serious. I know. And realize how grateful he should be that he still has got his job and getting another opportunity. You brought the guy in to clip coupons. You brought mm-hmm. the guy in to improve the farm. He's done none of those things. He's done none of those things. He has, look, oh, we're slightly better in the farm. Congratulations. You traded away no prospects for five years, and you're a couple of slots better based on four or five different ways we can rate the metrics of your farm system, which hasn't borne any fruit whatsoever. Congratulations. You've struck out in free agency. Congratulations. All these one-year deals, you whiffed on Gosman, and you didn't bring them back. Congratulations. The most positive thing I can say about Farhan, this is the most positive thing I can say about Farhan, you didn't sign Correa. You didn't sign Rodon. Wow. The moves you didn't make. Yeah. Can you I imagine think- me saying that about Bob Myers, the Warriors, nope. or Kyle John Shanahan Lynch, the 49ers? Yeah. The, the fact that this guy still has a job lets me know ownership has no clue. No, and I no think that clue. is, I think, the, you know, you talk about pie charter culpability. Farhan gets a very large slice. And yeah, I absolutely do believe that a large chunk of it does lie on ownership. And just the, I don't know where the, the desire from ownership is to win. You know, if I'm, if I'm Larry Bear and if I'm Greg Johnson, who I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard whispers that Greg wasn't even in the country this last week when no. this decision was was made. Whispers, rumors. I'm not saying that as a fact. That's just what I've been hearing. I, that's I don't, true. If, if that's that is true, true and you're running a business and you don't have the guts to be in town. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? If that's true, Sam. There's no coming back from this for Greg Johnson. No, oh, there really not. isn't. And that's the a- team to someone who wants to win. You you won three championships. Toodaloo. Operate like a big boy. You think the Red Sox are putting up with this crap? Mm-mm. Do you? Do you? No. No. And I, again, I've been very vocal of of my discontent with ownership. I really just, if I'm Larry Bear and Greg Johnson, I am getting a little bracelet that says WWJLD. You know what would Joe Lakeup do? Because honestly, here's the thing: if you're Larry Bear. And again, you know, you, he knows how great Joe Lacob has, how Joe, how great Joe Lacob has it on the other side of of Mission Bay. Yet, a fun, a, like, yeah. I, a quick aside here, Chess. You ever see that Christmas movie, Deck the Halls? No, probably not. No one has. It's a movie with uh, Matthew Broderick and Danny DeVito. And uh, Matthew Broderick, you know, he's the the Christmas guy of his okay. neighborhood. Everybody knows that he has the best Christmas lights in the neighborhood. That's his thing. 
But then Danny DeVito moves to town and he's an even bigger Christmas guy. So he's got better Christmas lights on his house than Matthew Broderick does. So it becomes this whole back and forth of who could have the best house during Christmas. That's basically what we have here, where Larry Bear and Greg Johnson, they're Matthew Broderick with their piddly little Christmas lights. And then across the cove, you got Joe Lacob with his big Christmas tree, which the dotted with stars. You have no stars on your Christmas tree if you're Larry Bear and Greg Johnson. You have a guy who moved in far after you. One thing I'll say about Larry Bear that he's done very well is he has done a great job integrating the Giants in with the city of San Francisco. He was truly the guy in San Francisco at one point not very long ago. Joe Lacob came in and in the span of a few years has completely made Larry Bear and Greg Johnson completely obsolete. Joe Lacob owns San Francisco now as an owner. You have been not just surpassed, you have been lapped and you have been lapped again by Joe Lacob. He is looking across out of that ballpark and he is probably having giggling fits looking at the absolute buffoonery that is going on with this Giants ownership. And I do put a lot of it on because Greg Johnson, he's more of a money finance guy whatever Larry bear. He is the face of the ownership group. And I think Larry bear should absolutely be the face of the blame that ownership gets. You could say, Oh, it's he's fair. not the control person. He's not the owner, blah, blah. He is the face. He is the guy who was so insistent on being the center of attention. He was the one who emceed Will Clark's Jersey retirement ceremony. He was the one who makes all these big baseball decisions. He's the one going into these meetings. So then we need a face like left. Aaron judge and Carlos Correa, Larry, you are the one who sets the tone for this organization. The fact that you are allowing things to get this bad under your ownership while you have another owner across the bay completely showing you how it's done. Jed York, as the CEO of the 49ers, has lapped you as an owner. Imagine going back to 2017, Shasky. If I were to tell you in the year 2023, we're going to be looking at Jed York as a superior CEO and executive than Lawrence M. Bear. You would have looked at me like I'm crazy if I suggested yet. And yet here we are. This is how bad it's gotten when Jed York, who we all love having, you know, Lowell Cohen, say something. That's where Jed York was at at one point. Larry Bear's never had that moment. And I really hope that he does speak with Farhan Zaidi tomorrow uh, at the end at the end of the oppressor. Uh, when that I happens. don't think they have any clue what's waiting them tomorrow. Well, I'll say what is waiting for them is uh, one Bonte Hill. He'll be there waiting for him. He's and, ready, uh, isn't he? Oh, he is super gassed up to do that. Um, but let's let's move forward because I, I I do because they are, need to face job. You and I, like, can we? You and I agree. Yeah, it, we could Buster Posey and this guy and that guy. They need a facelift. They need to. And I, let's get face, into that because the face of the organization needs to be someone else. I agree. Yeah. So they do need to make a big change. They do need to make changes. The first one's going to be about the managerial search. And uh, I did ask Farhan kind of what you will be looking for in that next manager, because, again, Gabe Kapler was the most experienced manager, only had a couple of years of experience. So this is what Farhan said when I asked him kind of if you're going to be looking for experience or some are more on the younger side. Early to tell, I've been involved in a handful of managerial searches, and I think you could just have different types of good candidates. And sometimes you know, I think being as open minded as possible is the best approach because candidates can surprise you. You know, somebody that, you know, maybe just got in as the last guy on your list winds up being the person that gets the job so i don't think we have any preconceived notions of that you know when you start a process like this there are people you think of immediately whether they're people that you've worked with before or people who have strong reputations in the game but sometimes as you dig deeper you wind up with names that you're really excited about and wind up being the right person for the job before you respond to that, Shasky, I'll always remember. So I try to listen, you know, for context clues in, in answers like that, because usually they're never going to say 
this is who we want. This is what we want. But they are going to drop subtle hints that will give you kind of clues as to what they're going to be looking for. I'll always remember when Farhan began his first manager search after 2019, the line he dropped that everybody seized on was, sometimes you hire a manager who failed at their first destination, but then they succeed at their next destination. Uh, one example of that is you know, Joe Torre. He did not do well with the Cardinals. Then he goes to the Yankees, has a lot of success there. We can debate as to why that success happened. But nonetheless, he did still have success there. And a lot of people seized on that line because that was right after Gabe Kapler got fired. And that was right when the, uh-oh, is, is he going to hire Gabe Kapler? Worry started to show up there. So going back to what Farhan says right there, you know, a guy who came in at the end of the list there. I don't know what to truly make from that. Guys who you've worked with in the past, there is one potential name out there of who he worked with in the past. I could tell by your exasperated expression that you are very excited to hear the name of Bob Melvin possibly being on that list, depending on what the uh, podcast is. He hires Bob Melvin. Listen to me, right? Listen to me and listen to me good. Mm-hmm. He hires Bob Melvin, fire himself the next day. Just, just, just the two of them. Are you c- Bob Melvin? I've Bob said Melvin. My- so my theory on Bob Melvin is if Gabe Kapler is the guy, basically I think Bob Melvin is what Gabe Kapler is going to be in 20 years. Bob, if, if Gabe Kapler is a guy who keeps you in contention until the last week of the year, then Bob Melvin's a guy who will keep you in contention until about October 14th. Chasky, I don't know if you know this. The season doesn't end on October 14th. It ends on October, November something now because the World Series has been pushed back. Would Bob Melvin be a possibly better hire than Gabe Kapler? Probably. Is it the hire that it's going to be like, oh, hell yeah, now we're... No, Bob Melvin is the manager that better managers beat on the way to the world series. He is, we've seen how much he's flamed out in the postseason with his bullpen mismanagement. He would have a better bullpen here, but Sam, it's uninspiring. Sam, it's uninspiring. It really is. It's, I think it would have cachet with Bay area fans because Bob Melvin's a notable name. You could probably, you know, if you're Larry bear, you could spin that into a way that would be well-received by fans. The Bay area media would probably love it because the Bay area media loves Bob Melvin just reputationally. That being said, though, and this is the problem with ownership. I am tired of the all the whole move is about the PR battle. Larry Bear's number one priority is not winning baseball games. It is putting more butts in the seats because the attendance has dropped below the threshold that he likes. Part of the reason why they fired Gabe Kapler, so many fans are turned off by him and this organization. They're not renewing season tickets. When your goal is to hire managers solely to get fans into the seats and not to win baseball games, you get what you deserve. And what well, you deserve Sam, Sam. is to not win the World Series. But Sam, last six years, seven years, they haven't won baseball games. Mm-hmm. They haven't retained their players, the good ones. They haven't replenished, replenished the farm system to the to the degree that they told us they would. They haven't signed free agents. They've ran a shitty business. Like, let's just call it what it is. It's a shitty business with a shitty product, and it's no wonder the consumer is rejecting it. Mm-hmm. Hello? Like, you know what we like to do? Win. You know what else That's- we like here in the Bay Area? Stars. Okay? You know what's a great way to, to get stars? Winning games. You look, again... Uh, yeah, it, 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 this is why I always kind of compare things. It always comes back to Joe Lacob. That's the, the the presence he has over the Bay Area sports scene right now is everything is done and look through the eyes of what Joe Lacob does. And can I, can I also table. say this? And yeah. It's, yeah, I find it interesting to me that there are people out there. The farm is better. Everyone talks about Joey Barton. That was a whiff. Whiff. Mm-hmm. 
they knew kind of right away and they didn't trade him when they had an opportunity to get something back for him. He's mm. worth nothing. He's worth well, his, He was in the trade deadline. Nothing. His name was the only name that popped up during the trade deadline. Uh, he's worth nothing with the giants. He's worth and, nothing, but they've known no that way. for multiple years and they've done nothing about it. Okay. Yeah. I don't think Luis Matos is going to end up being that good. That's just me. I think he's a fourth outfielder when it's all said and done, but whatever. I like Luciano's bat again, two guys, that were Bobby Evans guys that you've hung on to for quite some time. The draft that did him in is undeniable. Hunter Bishop getting taken 10th overall, missing on Gunnar Henderson, missing on Corbin Carroll, and a slew of other guys who have been excellent from that draft has cost them dearly. That guy took that franchise, Arizona, that no one cared about, and they're instantly one of everyone's favorite teams because of him. Yeah, Gunnar Henderson, well, I mean, as well as other players in Baltimore, have been outstanding. You took Hunter Bishop, who has never done a damn thing, even in Double A, and these guys are balling. It is I'm what it give, is. I'm gonna give a little bit of pushback there on that one because one, uh, I've heard just from things I've heard about that 2019 draft, there was a lot of things that were just kind of up in the air, and I can't get into too deep details about it but basically there were issues going on behind the scenes in terms of just they, they, they kind of impacted that draft so that's one and again i, I can't really give enough details to really make that an, an excuse, an excuse. So, but an excuse. here's the thing if we want to play the what you miss game i mean this is why the major league baseball draft is such a crapshoot shasky i want to go back just for the last but few he's drafts supposed that- to be good at it but he that's the thing he hafarhan and whoever the hell is making decisions he's supposed to be good at it that's that's why he's here. But every draft is going to have misses. Like it's just like it, that's yeah, just but where are the hits? Where you have to have you have to have player development there. I mean, there are where litany. are the hits? Right now, your best hits are as of right now are Patrick Bailey and Kyle Harrison. Those are your best. Even two Kyle hits Harrison, right now. who knows? Yes, and Patrick Bailey again. There's a lot to like so far. I think I would classify Patrick Bailey as more of a hit than a miss right now. If I had to, if I had to, if I, if if the make or break deal to get a player was Kyle Harrison without hesitation, he's gone. Oh yeah. And we'll, I I agree with you there. The last thing I want to get into in kind of terms of what this team needs to do to move forward. If you're Farhan Zaidi is again, he's going into a huge off season right now where he has so much that he needs to do. And we're talking about, you know, what can he possibly do to turn things around? Part of that is going to be, he's going to have to hit on bringing new players in and, we heard the reports that the Giants' reputation with free agents is a little shot right now. Shot, I asked man. him about that on Friday, and this is what he had to say about that. I'm not concerned about our reputation with free agents. I don't mean that to sound arrogant or like we're out of touch. I just, this, you know, as we said earlier, when talking about the manager search, this is a great ballpark. This is a great city to play in. This is a great organization. And I know a lot of players would be excited to put this uniform on. So I have conversations with agents all the time about the players they have on this team, what might be happening over the offseason. And I know we're going to get a lot of engagement from players that may be available. Very confident in that. So you see, Shasti, it's all good. There's a lot of engagement with a lot of players who are very interested, and I'm sure all those players are not only very good at baseball, but definitely have other teams that they would be the Giants over. Listen, this guy knows. That's the worst part. He knows when he said, "I don't need to sound him." I had to. I don't even believe his bullshit. How does he believe his bullshit? Who does he think he is? It's my head. This is I'm so sick of Farhan Zaidi. It's the unearned arrogance for me. That's the thing. You're not the smartest person in the room. You can tell me you are, 
and you could pass all of these IQ exams, dog, you're broke. You are broke. You have zero credit with this fan base. <laughs> zero credit. Okay. You, you, you don't have a FICO score of 820. Dog, your FICO scores in the 400s. Who the fuck are you kidding? Like, I'm serious, Sam. It's driving me insane. This unearned arrogance. This guy has no idea. He's the idiot in the room, which is the most dangerous person to be in the control of. The, like, John Lynch. I don't think John Lynch is great at a lot of things. But you know what I think he's really good at? Knowing what his own strengths and weaknesses are. For example, I don't think he knows how to break down the film on a fifth-round draft pick. I really don't. But I think he's really good at communicating and empowering people who are great at their jobs. He's okay? a good leader. He's good. He plays a good leadership role. He's a good face of the organization. He's he a general. His, yeah. He's he a is. general. Cool. He's a general. He may he's not be general. in the trenches working things out. That's more of a Kyle Shanahan thing. But no, he knows how to what is present the organization in a positive way. What's Farhan's skill? Telling he's me really, he's smart? He's Telling really, me he talks to agents? Congratulations. How about you sign one that's worth their salt? How about you sign one that you don't have to clip 15 options to and overpay by $10 million just to bring back? Control your own roster, for Christ's sake. It's It's driving me insane, Sam. I'm sorry. I just... The more I hear him talk, the less I want him anywhere near my team. I know. Ever this again. Is, this was the second time this You're gonna year have to where cut I out was all of this, by the way. You're going to have to edit me. You like bleep a lot of this. Oh, no, it's going to be our first podcast to have an explicit uh, attached to it. An explicit advisory. I'm not going back and bleeping that stuff. We're, we're, we're raw and unfiltered on this fucking podcast. But no, this was the second time this year where I was sitting in a Farhan pot, a Farhan presser and had to bite my tongue to keep myself from just going, what the actual hell are you talking about? The first time was right before the All-Star break when he said in clear sound, body, and mind, I really like our pitching death right now. I don't feel any need to upgrade that. When he said that, I'm surrounded by everybody, and that was that was the beginning of my end of my support for Farhan. A month later, I was officially out on him. But yeah, that was when he said, I don't mean to sound arrogant, I, I, you have to bite my tongue because I can't say, are you freaking kidding me when you're surrounded by the entire Giants media like that? And that's basically where we're at right now. And you know why I'm so angry? Really you know why I'm so angry like you are? Because I love this team. I do and too. This is so below what I expect. It's one, you do not have to win it all every year. All right. Just give me a blueprint that makes sense and show me some progress. Like that is the bare minimum. That's yeah. the bare minimum. Look, the Niners can lose in the playoffs this year. And look, I want to win a Super Bowl, right? I can see, dude, they've built a freaking juggernaut. You know, the Warriors, they got trounced last year by the Los Angeles Lakers. You know what they did? They made big, bold trades in the offseason. It might not work, but you know what? You know what I know what they are? They're bold and they're maniacally obsessed with winning it all. I don't yeah. I don't get that same semblance from Farhan, from ownership or from anyone else in that front office. And that's the part to me that's so frustrating to swallow. You know, what's really frustrating for me, Shasky, is that, you know, I, I asked Farhan last year. Well, no, I so I let me scratch that. So I didn't ask Farhan this question. So I remember last year I asked Farhan at the end of the presser, how do you close the gap on the on the Dodgers? He gave me a long answer about how the Dodgers set the standard, blah, blah, blah. And Andrew Bagley, I think it was him, he followed up with kind of talking about the philosophies and the principles. And the thing that Farhan said, a word that I always remember, he said is we are not dogmatic about any one of our principles, which is a $23 word for saying, you know, we're not super locked into them. You know, he had he said last year, we need to reevaluate our approach and change and adapt. Then you come into this season and I see the same freaking principles being 
uh, 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 in, 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 the majors in, in errors. Sports. Zero steals. What the hell is up with the strikeouts? Why is that okay? No one is asking about no the strikeouts. They struck out fourteen hundred I mean, times. Sam, if I told you, if I told you strikeouts, that's not even it. It's like fifteen hundred or something. I could let a fifteen-year-old right now build a better roster with one hundred eighty million dollars in free agency and and just Probably. limited options. I guarantee it. I guarantee Wait, it. To finish my point, so. The last question I got, no, second to last question, and Marty Lurie got the last question. The last question I asked him was, you know, and I don't have the sound for this, but I asked him, you know, what's your lesson that you take away from this year? What's your, if I learn one thing, what it is? And it was, it's not a new lesson, but, you know, the game is humbling. It's unpredictable. Uh, he went on to say, you know, we got to be prepared for different things to unfold. You just can't predict how these things are going to be. And you got to be ready for every mean. eventual difference, blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, how is this any different from what you said last year? Last year, you said you have to reevaluate principles. You did not. This year, you're saying the same thing. Like, when, when Chesky, what do you do when someone tells you who they are? You believe them. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I am not falling for this banana in the tailpipe anymore. Like at this point, Farhan, if you really think you've changed, you really think you've learned something, you need to go out and show me now. And at the end of the day, I really don't think you have enough runway to be able to show me. No. And that's where it comes back to ownership of why are we going through another dog and pony show? We're going to let Farhan bring in a new manager for however many years that this manager is going to come in, they're not going to be good enough next year. He's going to get fired. And now you got to hope that whoever comes in to replace Farhan is able to work with whatever manager that he sticks us with. Whoever comes in is going to have to undo the mess that Farhan has gotten this team into. I don't think the mess is as horrible. They have a one and done manager in history. I do not know. It's all I said, probably way back when, when managers were fired for literally like drinking the wrong whiskey in the dugout. Um, I'd have to go back and, and find that. Right. What I don't want to see, let's, before we wrap here, one, when it comes to, okay, fine. A one and done manager. I don't think they're going to elevate anyone from an, from uh, the current coaching staff into an interim role. So I've heard people on Twitter like, Ooh, Kyle Correa, Mark Hallberg. If either one of those two are appointed the full-time manager next year, then you need to be fired on the spot. If Larry, if Larry Bear allows that to happen, then he will deserve to see his legacy. Let me ask you a question. If Larry's there tomorrow, let's end this this way. If Larry's there tomorrow, and we haven't even got, we'll get to Crawford in a little bit. Not yeah. this episode. I say the next episode. Well, we get, we'll get to Crawford in the next six because I want to finish on something positive. Today. Okay. Okay. And we'll yeah. keep that short and sweet. Yeah. If you could ask Larry Bear one question tomorrow, what is it? Whew. That's something I have to really think about, but really it just when it comes down to is I really want to ask a question that would really showcase how committed he truly is to being a winning organization. I guess the question is how far do you think this organization is from being in an overall better position than what Joe Lacob has with the Warriors? Because honestly, at the end of the day, that's your number one competitor. He's got the better Christmas lights than you. He's got stars on his Christmas tree. You got nothing but, you know, three-year-old garlands on your Christmas tree, Larry. Like, this is ridiculous. One manager name I want to throw out is Ron Wotus. Does that do anything for you? No. Yeah. I, I, I want the future. Like I'm not Ron looking into the rearview mirror. I don't want to look in the rearview mirror. And it's no knock on Ron Wotus. Love Ron Wotus. I'm sorry. Like, no. We need something fresh and different. And I, I love the guy. You. No, I love Ron, too. My reason not for Ron is... This is a guy who's been waiting for years to get his shot managing. If you make this his shot, you know, go out and manage this lame duck team that we all know deep down inside is going to fail spectacularly. And then you're going to probably be the fall guy for that too. I'm not giving that to Ron. Ron deserves better. That would be a slap in the face to say, oh, here's your opportunity now with Farhan in this roster. Go get him, Ron. You might have better players next year. 
I would be insulted if I was Ron Woods. I want Ron to get a chance somewhere. I love having, I, I love that he's part of this organization now. I obviously think he's more of a plus than a minus. That's not, that's not even debatable. He deserves better than this. He absolutely does. And honestly, we as Giants fans, we deserve better than this. And it's just disgusting that this is, we have to do a whole nother year of this. I really don't understand why we need to do another year of this. And the only thing that gives me hope, Shasky, because I do want to finish on a positive note here, and we're going to do that when we talk about Brandon Crawford. The only thing that gives me hope is that, you know, Dr. Strange, he looks forward in time. He sees 14,625 outcomes for next season. One where it goes well. I guess that's our that's our hold up here. But the Avengers aren't walking through that door to help Farhan Zaidi next year, and that's where we're at. You are listening to uh, the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Loveman, Joe Shasky, uh, very, very angry about the state of the San Francisco Giants right now, but that's not going to stop us from uh, giving you the best Giants content here in the Bay Area. Make sure you're liking, reviewing, subscribing, sharing, telling other people about it. Uh, go listen to this podcast outside of uh, Oracle Park. Maybe Farhan will hear and he can hear us screaming at him. All part of the Odyssey Sports Network here on 95.7 The Game. So, Shasky, it was... Uh, a bittersweet weekend, not just because Gabe Kapler was fired, but we saw the unfortunate end of the Brandon Crawford, not unfortunate, and the, the sad end, not sad. It, it was the end of the Brandon Crawford era uh, here with the Giants. And it was sad, not just because it was seeing Crawford's time end uh, with the Giants, but it, it marked the official, official, official close of the championship era in San Francisco Giants history. He was the last true connection to those that that dynasty run. And I'll be honest, watching him take the field one last time, watching him walk off the ovation he got, the Dodger fans who stood up and saluted him as well, it recognized him that even though you were a rival, you were a respected competitor who gave us lots of great games. Uh, Freddie Freeman's telling him, like, man, I don't want this to be your last game in this uniform. You know, it was truly a, a special emotional day. Uh, to see one of the true greats in Giants history uh, uh, take his last bow. Shasky, what are your Brandon Crawford emotions right now? It's the end. Uh, mm. I don't know if he thinks it's the end. I have this weird feeling that he was not ready to, to call it quits. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt forced. Just based off hear, hear, hearing his language and his mannerisms, it didn't seem like I'm done, right? It felt mm-hmm. like I'm probably it done. It wasn't here. really much of a, a post-game speech either. No. Uh, love him. Love Brandon Crawford. He embodies everything, what it means to living out the dream, right? A mm-hmm. local kid grew up loving the Giants, the greatest defensive shortstop in Giants history. Unbelievable moments as a champion, clutch performances in the playoffs. One of the greatest double plays in World Series history, the Grand Slam, you know, against the Pirates. Yeah, you know, just or how about all, the Grand Slam in his first game against the Brewers? All his moments, you yeah. know, and his body failed him at the end, you know, mm-hmm. and it kind of sucks how it went down. But I'll remember him fondly as a great giant. May not have been a great baseball player in terms of like Hall of Fame status, but to me, he's the gold standard of shortstop play in the last 15 years at the position, uh, not with the bat, but with the glove. Mm -hmm. And he he needs to be remembered as such. Absolutely. He was I I always say to him, he he lived the the true dream of what it means to be a baseball player. Like we all, Shasky, you did it, I did it. How many times were we stepping up to the plate in our backyard as a member of the San Francisco Giants needing to get that big hit? How often were you making that last out? How often were you on the mound in the ninth Every inning? Day. You need to close out the World Series. Brandon Crawford lived that. He like he went from Giants fan to Giants legend. And I asked him about that on, on Sunday after the game. And he was like, yeah, I get that question a lot, which 
fair. I figured that you did. But this is this was his what he had to say about living out basically every kid's dream. The dream come true doesn't quite cover it. Pretending to be Giants players in the backyard, like you said, growing up, uh, coming to games. I always like the dream was to to play for the Giants, not necessarily to win a couple World Series and um, you know be here for 13 years and uh, you know some of the things I've been able to accomplish while on the Giants I never even dreamed about. So um, I don't know, just definitely grateful for the for the experience and the opportunity and um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Dream come true doesn't even begin to describe. I mean, Shaska, we talk about how we've connected to players over the years. You know, we connected to Tim Linscombe because he kind of had that, you know, cool, chill, offbeat attitude, and he also smoked weed, which is obviously big here in San Francisco. You know, we relate to guys like Buster Posey because of just how respectable of a human being he is, how decent he is, and how he seems like a guy that you can go up to him, say hi, and he'll chat with you back. You know, we, we relate to guys like, you know, like Brian Wilson because they're offbeat and weird, and we kind of live in an offbeat and weird city. But is there anyone we could truly relate to more as Giants fans than Brandon Crawford, who Shasky, he's like us. He is a Giants fan. Yeah. You know, like it just it makes what he did so much more special to see that a guy who is one of us, you know, we always talk about that picture of him, you know, Mr. White, do what's right, don't sell, uh, from back in '93. We always talk about that. It's like he lived every Giants fan's dream and be able to see Absolutely. him do that. And be able to watch that, to be able to share that experience with him, that's what makes his career so special. I mean, and yeah, I I don't think, I, I will say this full-throatedly, he is the greatest shortstop in the 140-year history of Giants baseball. I really don't think there's anyone who comes close. And well, to go forget, from get the 140, he is definitely either the 7th, 8th, or ninth hitter and playing shortstop on your all-time San Francisco Giants team. Oh, absolutely. I don't I think, think anyone... Yeah, no, he is absolutely on your starting lineup yes. of, of that team, along with guys like Buster Posey and Barry Bonds and Willie Mays. If you were to make your 140-year history of Giants baseball, like you're on there with those names. That's insane. And it's just it makes it so incredible in the fact that he's just an awesome human being. Like there really is yeah. nothing negative you could say about Brandon Crawford, the person. And yeah, I do wish him well. I wanted to kind of talk about what you said about it didn't feel like the end for him. Um, I don't want to keep this positive, but like, Chessie, I never remembered any sort of announcement that this was going to be his last season. Granted, no announcement, was, no, no announcement was made about Buster Posey and his this being his last season. Um, but we're and we'll wrap this up quickly. I know it. It does kind of feel like he has a little bit more left in the tank. He did I think he's going to keep his family. I would like to see him keep playing too. I do think it was weird that all year long, nothing was really said, but it was always felt implied yes. that this was going to be his last year. I thought that was kind of weird. Even still, it was a beautiful ceremony. His kids threw out the first pitch. The one daughter, you know, she had to do the, the you know, cartwheels in the back before she did it. it I mean, talk about confidence there. I mean, she's got the same confidence out there that her dad does. Um, so I, I'm very happy that I got to see someone like Brandon Crawford. They're showing highlights of him in the clubhouse. And for me, I, I want to get a, a Crawford moment from you. For me, it's always going to be game three, of the 2012 World Series, and the defensive display that he put on in that game. I remember watching that game in my dorm room in Miami, losing my mind, going, that's our guy. That's the dude. That's what he does all the time. And the entire freaking baseball world is watching what our guy does at shortstop. And I remember that start of that 2012 year, he was not great on defense. He had a lot of issues. And then yeah. he's putting on a clinic on the biggest stage. Shasky, what's your seminal Brandon Crawford moment for you? It's them not running in game seven on Crawford when Juan Perez Ooh. is bobbling the ball because his arm is so That's good. That's a good one. 
That's a low-key good one. Also in that same game, the greatest double play in World Series history. Panic to Crawford to Belt. Of course. It's just thank you very much, Brandon Crawford. I did get I agree. I'm very I got a chance after to to shake his hand, thank him for everything he did he, he has done for this organization. And not to sound full of myself, but I do want that handshake to really be representative of all Giants fans being able to have that chance to thank him because he really is a special guy. We were very lucky to be able to have someone like him. And uh, we are very lucky that we got the uh, new longest episode in Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys history Uh, is no longer me and Willard. It is you and me as it should be. Uh, No disrespect to Willard. But anyway, this has been episode 77 of the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Uh, We'll be back with more episodes throughout the offseason. We're probably going to chat with a special guest on the next one. You're going to want to stay tuned and hear who that guest is going to be. And uh, until then, we will see you on the next one.